Welcome to Empowered Returns, a show that surfaces forward-thinking real estate advice that investors and developers need to help them invest smarter and build better. Welcome to another episode of Empowered Returns. Today, we're here with Joe Hanley of McDermott, Quilty & Miller. Welcome, Joe. How are you? Good to be with you. Doing awesome. well. Very cool. Thanks. And PT, as always, how are you? Hi, Mike. Things Joe, are good. how are you? Good to have you. Yeah, things are great. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah. First timer. First time, uh, you know, second time listener, first time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we, that's unbelievable, right? He just came out and admitted he doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> He'll listen to this one. That's right. Um, so, Joe, why don't you just start diving in with a little bit of background on your, yeah, your kind of um, uh, career experience here? Sure. Yeah. I've uh, been working with uh, uh, McDermott, Quilty Miller uh, as a partner, zoning attorney, land use uh, development. Uh, 25 years. We're celebrating our 25th anniversary as a uh, as a firm. Awesome. And uh, nice. I started with them uh, basically when the firm started. And mm. uh, so we do almost exclusively focus on uh, land use, zoning, permitting the city of Boston and greater Boston area, Somerville, Cambridge a little bit as well. Um, and we also do a lot of liquor licensing work throughout the state, mm. uh, mostly for private clients. And uh, have worked with with your fine firm over the years on uh, residential developments. I entitle a lot of uh, multifamily residential development through the uh, Article 80 process with the BPDA, the City of Boston, and the Zoning Board and Zoning Commission for PDAs and the like. Cool. I think we'll dive in deep to the um, entitlement process and what your take on yeah. it is. But first of all, are, are we getting an invite to the 25th anniversary party? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, we're, we we got to plan it, right? <laughs> right. So uh, we, we need one of these. Uh, we need an event planner like you guys have for this. But give um, us a call. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, well, maybe maybe just dive in. Obviously, we want to we want to really go deep here in the entitlement process and how we can, you know what kind of advice you would give to developers, investors who are really sort of starting the process. Maybe we can divide it into sort of a small project and a large project, you know, fashion and see. But so, so I guess overall big picture, um, you know, what's the landscape of the entitlement process in Boston like right now? What's, you know, what's the, what's the appetite for development, so to speak? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, Boston is such a desirable market and it's not such a huge market either, right? You guys know this well, yeah. working mm. together for some time, but I would say, uh, you know, t up to like 2018, um, certainly during Marty Walsh's uh, tenure, just the scale of development, right? Every every neighborhood go to these neighborhood group meetings. Uh, they used to have maybe one big development at a time. Mm. You'd go to South Boston or Brighton or East Boston, and there would be six or seven huge met you know, mega projects. We're talking three, 400 units of housing, mixed use, stuff like that. Um, obviously, we have cycles, as you guys know well. Uh, we're city's still very busy. Uh, it was uh, a challenge, to say the least, for the development community to have three mayors in less than a year. Mm. And that has nothing to do with whether one is good or bad. It's just throw a pandemic in there, too. Right. And yeah, a pandemic. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's sort of like and learning to do this stuff. You know, we're, we're in person, thank God, but you know, a lot of it is yeah. still virtual. And, um, but uh, the market, you know, is uh, it's just a lot of uncertainty. You guys know that mm -hmm. there's, right. there's high interest rates. We continue as a, a region to, to struggle with, with extremely high construction costs. Mm. Um, and, you know, yes, we have Harvard, MIT, we have great institutions. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've seen some population increases, at least in the last decade. Um, but it's getting, you know, I hear from folks that say, you know, we find it a little more challenging. Mm. And, uh, you know, but there's still, um, there's still a lot of, a lot of room to grow. I see it, you mm. know, and, and yeah. projects that we're working on are still transformative. Yeah. Right. So right. it's like, it's not as if we're running, obviously, you're not making more land as you guys always <laughs> probably tell folks, but, uh, but there's there is uh, there's still lots of stuff to clean up. Yeah, you know, the yeah. projects we're working on are still former gas stations, right, 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 formerly contaminated sites, warehousing stuff like that, right. Yeah, and um, so I think you know there's 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 always a big interest, but in a in a, a I wouldn't say downturn, but in this sort of certainly going sideways right now, I think it uh, it you know it brings the serious players more of the long term players. 
uh, into the market or keep staying in the market and then folks that are maybe a little um, uh, less established might be more challenged. Yeah. yeah. So kind of walk us through, you know, just I, I don't think people realize, right, how entailed um, and intricate the the entitlement process is, right, both entitlements and then eventually permitting and, and building. Um, you know, let's just kind of walk us through, like, I'm a developer, I come in, I've got a parcel of land, I want to, you know, I think I want to do 100 units, yeah. right? Yeah. Just kind of walk quickly as, you know, kind of in a, yeah. in a rocket pitch kind of way, like, what's the yeah. what's the process look like for me, both in terms of time and then the various steps, and then maybe highlight a few things that people just don't think about that are actually a big part of the yeah. process. Yeah, I mean, Boston, Massachusetts, New England, Unfortunately, we invented the regulations, right? And, <laughs> and so it's like there are certain cities and towns that have done what they can do to try to streamline that. But you know, it's almost like when they get involved with that, they create, you know, more of a process. And you can say, hey, you're a lawyer. That's good for you. You know, we don't want to do make work for no reason. Uh, we try to do is deliver results for developers, mm -hmm. right? And you, you nailed it. Like, is there some sort of predictability? So if you can say, for example, in the city of Boston, a, a large-ish project, let's say 100,000 square feet or between 50 and 100,000 square feet, 80 units of housing, you, know, you should be able, you know, with good team, with good representation to get through the regulatory entitlement phase, which is sort of what I do is I'm like a delivery room doctor, right, where... <laughs> Like, here's your permitted project, and then there's time after that that it takes construction drawings and the actual permit to be issued. But for what gets entitled, you know, it should take about a year or so. Okay. Right? And if yeah. it's a really big project and has a PDA and has more regulatory approvals, maybe that's longer or if it's a master plan development. Um, and so, you know, the good thing is, you know, Article 80, which is a section of the zoning code that, uh, restricts or requires review and approval by the BPA for projects that are over a certain size, um, you know, I'm not the first one to take a client through it, right? And and so we do know that, you know, looking back here are the ways that we can look at it and here are the things that we need to, um, you know, need to address. But I would say the, the big factor on, on uh, you know, uh, that, that kind of drives a little bit of like the challenge is, you know, Boston's a city of neighborhoods, right? Mm. Just talking to the city of Boston. Zoning code's written that way. So when you say client comes in and goes, oh, I got the site, it's, it's so everything dif differs depending on where it is, what neighborhood it's in, both from the zoning code, but also from the community process, right? So there may be more active neighbors in one part of South Boston, less, are, less active in another part, or they may have certain concerns um, that maybe they don't want more housing, for example, mm -hmm. and that's what you're trying to do. So it's that sort of like what we try to do in building a good team is to provide some level of predictability based on looking backwards and what we've seen. Yeah. And so just thinking about that, I think that's like, that's exactly right. It's a city of neighborhoods and so you, you sort of see it in obviously zoning code that has evolved and, you know, been edited, quote unquote, over, right. over many, many, many years. And there's not a lot of consistency in a lot of ways about it. But you mentioned trying to build some consistency. Is there some sort of tips you would give to people to be prepared to go through the entitlement process to help help bring some consistency or predictability to it at all? Or is it just... Yeah, oh. yeah. You know, I was... I sort of like clients, uh, you know, it's like if you run the marathon, right? Um, you know, you're not going to... What you do two or three weeks before the marathon is doesn't matter anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all building a good base. and And I think in the development process doing early outreach, right? Doing your homework, um, you know, going to the community before you even have uh, a filed plan, right? Mm. To, you know, you gotta be a little more willing to take risks, right? And, you know, talk to people and stuff. Um, the other thing, you know, that that's one way I think to, you know, is a tip. The other is team building, right? You guys know this, we work mm -hmm. with you on teams. And that's not to say that these clients need to spend a ton of money, but, you know, you bring in an architect, for example, that's from California, which nice state, but, uh, you know, doesn't know, you know, not not just the, the code in Boston, which, you know, we do, but just how the process works, yeah. how to interact with agencies. 
Uh, same thing with consultants, transportation consultants. And as you get through this Article 80 project process, you're required to have certain consultants and and a good broker. You know, bring someone in early on. Um, what I've seen most recently is landscape architects. Mm. City wants to see, well, it's not just the building and the neighbors too, right? What do you got to do on the ground plane? Bring in someone early and start thinking about that. Yeah. And for you guys doing home ownership, bring in, you know, a good residential consultant that can kind of help you share the vision with the neighbors if that's what they want. Mm. Yeah, it's a, and I think that's a key part in thinking about like what is what is the kind of the culture of the of the city and the neighborhood in a lot of ways that's just as important as, right. as knowing the 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 written code, so to speak, um, as it has evolved over time. So and 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 you know, it's funny though. A piece of advice that you gave that pretty much every guest on the show has, has, has talked about is building a good team and building yeah. a team early. And because it's, yeah. it's just the right advice rather than just trying to wing it and figure it out as you go. But building yeah. that team of professionals is so important across I think all it's the good financial advice, yeah. too. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, it, it you're taking a lot of risk. The, the, the problem is, you know, nothing is guaranteed in the regulatory process for zoning and permitting. We do have some as of right stuff. But again, in Boston in particular, a lot of it requires relief and it has. So there's always going to be variables, right? And you're spending a lot of money and taking a lot of risks. It blows me away that, you know, some folks might um, take the risk of not investing in that up front. Mm. And I always see that they pay for it on the back end. It's like, well, this took me, as I said, like it should take, let's say, a year for this um, bread and butter type 50,000 square foot development right. to get entitled or whatever. You can easily make that two or three years if you got a bad team. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. Well, and so. it, yeah, because like to your point, it's like you got to know what you need to deliver to get through the process. Right. And if you don't right. have the right team assembled and you're not prepared, you're just yeah. going to keep missing things and it's just going to keep setting you back. And yeah. like you said, it's like every setback's probably like a couple months. Yeah. Right? You've, you yeah. know, if you hope to get through a certain milestone at, at, at a meeting in April – Right. And it doesn't happen. Like you might not get back in front of that same, you know, regulatory commission till June. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so you can just compound that over and over. Right. And uh, it's interesting what you said about the landscape uh, architect, because that's, you know, definitely something that we've seen that's just yeah. historically hasn't been as, um, you know, in integral a part right. of the process, right. you know, uh, early. And on, on that note, actually, besides the landscape architect, but, you, you know, there's, there's a big piece of almost, at least all the large projects have a big sort of community benefits package involved. Right. Is, you know, would you consider those part of this part and parcel the same thing in terms of like just the, 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 you know, how you're setting up the landscaping and the, whether it's the streetscapes or the parks or the public realm in terms of any of these projects and, and just other public benefits? How, how important are those types of things to think about and at what phase? Yeah. I mean, and, and that's something too in Boston. I know like, you know, you have linkage, you have certain ordinance requirements yeah. depending on different projects, but just in general, the Article 80 process does include, you know, sort of a, a mitigation component. Mm. I think the city's gotten real much better at that, the BPBA has currently. And when I first started doing this, it was, you, you know, more like, oh, we want you to give 50 grand to a church down the street, yeah. even though they're like a nonprofit organization mm. or religious organization or something. You know, and now the city is much better with like they want the mitigation to go to improvements on the infrastructure around the project site. It makes a lot of sense, mm -hmm. right? And you you know, you see a lot of these neighborhoods that oh, you're building this great housing, uh, this great residential project. It's near the train, but the sidewalks to get there are like narrow mm -hmm. and crappy and cracked. Like, yeah, we want the project to improve that, and you know, that's how it should work. Yeah, and so you're seeing that a little more, but. Uh, because there's been some policy suggestions, um, you know, in the last couple year or so with the new administration, uh, that's brought some consternation, right? Where it's like, okay, are we going to be required to do how much more? And, you know, um, I do think the mayor, you know, she said, look, developers have kind of been out there negotiating one-offs with the city. And so getting some certainty to that is a good thing. Yeah. How far do you go? Yeah. It's, it, yeah, that's the thing. I think I know actually PT and I were at an event where we were talking with the mayor and she was, you know, talking about trying to build in more certainty, you know, her sort of, you know, thought of the city growing sort of 15 percent, really population right. continuing to expand and grow. And you've got to add you obviously have to develop, you have to develop housing, you have to develop places to work for all that to happen. 
but it gets more difficult when you continue to add on, like increase the, the inclusionary development uh, program, affordable housing or linkage, as you mentioned, which is the commercial component of that yep. you know, contribution to affordable housing and jobs. And so the question is, in, in whether it's public realm or those other programs, like at what point does it become yeah, too much right. to make a project untenable yeah. and yeah. or or just so unpredictable that people aren't willing to invest and develop in, in, in Boston, at least anymore? I don't know if you have a. Yeah, and I think you're starting to see that now, right, that, you know, I'm always like one of the things I say to like my developer clients is like, you know, let's not, you know, they're genuine people and developers are community minded. They want to, they're there, they want to build because the community is great and everything. Um, but you got to be, you, you got to be flexible when you go through the process. You can't be like, oh, we, we had a particular experience like this. I, I just want to know what the result's going to be right now. It's like, yeah, okay, well, it's called a process, right? Um, so to be able to give when you can, uh, and and not all of it is monetary, right? A lot of this stuff can be done in kind. But to answer your question, there is a point where, you know, for example, let's say rule of thumb, if a monetary commitment is, say, more than $5 a square foot, you're starting to get because you you have all these other things mm. like the IDP or I'm not talking about linkage, you know, then yeah. it's like, hey, you're pushing too far. Yeah. And in a real strong up market, it's tough to, you know, push back on that. But I think now it's like, you know, you can show a pro forma to the regulators. Community's not going to be sympathetic to mm. it, nor should they be. But it's like, hey, we can't make this work. Yeah. Right. It's it's interesting because and we were talking before we started recording about the sort of uh, linkage change recently, <clears throat> but you know, and and some of the arguments are well, it's only five dollars a square foot, right. or or it's only right. six dollars, it's only a dollar, or it's only eighty cents, but yeah. all of these marginal dollars yeah. add up for all yeah. of these things, and that's where right. you know, well, and maybe in a boom town you can keep you know right. pushing right. more on. But when the market starts to taper a little bit, as it is, it gets more and more difficult to push these yeah. things through and still make. You know, especially in a rising interest rate environment, all these other things, like debt, cost of debt, yeah, all these right. things. Oh, so yeah. it gets yeah. difficult. And you and, and and you know, well, I think we all understand and understand the need for the for the for the city and to, and uh, to raise money and for developers and others to contribute to a lot of these things, like like affordable housing, like jobs, like everything else that we need to do as a city. It's important, I think, that we all recognize and 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 don't try to put too much on to any yeah. individual project. Certainly, to try to solve all the problems all at once. Yeah, and it's like the you know there was a there maybe was a culture in the city you know, uh, you know back a couple decades ago or continues a little bit that you know developers were just looking to like you know make money and, you know but you've you've really seen some really good thoughtful mm -hmm. most of the stuff that gets built and the architects that come in it's a big improvement I mean, right we've worked totally, on yeah. Like, yeah, right. building over a, like a you know, converting an old industrial site that doesn't do anything for anyone with bad sidewalks. Yeah. And, you know, that's not to say you should have a huge honking building, but like the process, I, I think the community process helps make it, make it better. Mm -hmm. Right. But, you know, as far as asking, you know, too much, and I think it's the combination, right. That now you know, not everyone's getting in depth with this, but it's kind of like, uh, like the stock market will freak out when a new president or some president, <laughs> like they don't get that deep. And so if Boston gets the tag that it's like, it's too expensive to do business here because it's rent control, or rent stabilization, then you say, well, that hasn't passed yet. And right. it's only 10%. Right. Like, oh, oh, but then now it's 20% uh, IDP on site. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, now yeah. it's, and the construction costs are crazy. Yeah. So then you get a label that it's like, maybe, you know, you look at the Taxachusetts label, right? Mm, right? How long has that taken us to like shed? Right? Have yeah. we shed it? I don't even think and, so. And you know, it's. Right. I mean, I think the, the governor now gets it, right? Yeah. And Charlie Baker got it too. But yeah, I, I, th I think. It's, and sorry, PD, to no, interrupt you, but I, I think the big thing here is most of these leaders are smart people. They get that we have a supply issue principally, right. but there's just oftentimes they're trying to, there's a little bit of two-sidedism almost too much. And like, you know, yes, we need to raise money. Yes, we need to have more affordable housing, but what is the mechanism to get there? Right. And right. it's, at least in my opinion, I think most 
you know, I think most people are starting to rally around it is building more housing. Right. right and right. and we don't want to go in the opposite direction or discourage that to the point yeah. where you said we're not yeah. we don't want to build a reputation here of being not friendly for or not able to be investable as a city. Yeah. Yeah. And market rate housing isn't a bad is good for affordable housing. Right. Too, right. right? It right. can't just all be affordable, but it's like you get folks out of other you know, temporary housing and, and you want people to be able to climb the ladder as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we need to do more in the middle class yep. housing and I think developers could, would want to participate more in that. And it also lessens the, the subsidy impact on the project, right. you know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I was reading, there was a piece, MIT had a um, study and they were saying that, you know, to live, I don't know if it's comfortably, but like, you know, just basically have a acceptable life as a single person in Boston, you make about eighty thousand a year. Mm. So that's more than the, you you would make too much to qualify for any of those IDP yeah. units, yeah. Right. Yeah. which right. is too bad. And yeah. what they're saying is that's just so you can put a little money away, get a down payment, yeah. hire Charles Gate to find a condo <laughs> for you, right? Well, sell your condo, right? Yeah, find well, you a new condo. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. after we rented you a condo. Yeah, hire a yeah, lawyer. Well, we manage all your properties yeah. too. Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, right. and yeah. help develop new. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but on the production uh, side, you're right. absolutely right. I mean, it, it's um, you know, the mayor. I you know, I think there's a lot of things the development community can um, agree with the mayor on, especially when she says, "Hey, I I vision a city of eight hundred thousand right. residents." Right. right. Yeah. We're at like six seventy now, maybe a little under mm -hmm. seven hundred. Well, if you're going to do that, you got to build. Right. right. Yeah. Places. Totally. Where are they going to live? That's yeah. like, uh, that's that's like two neighborhoods. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I, and I think just to go to, to the point you were saying earlier, I think we know because we work with a lot of developers, we work with a lot of folks who are building and being very thoughtful about where, what they're building in a lot of cases, and being very forward thinking, delivering great product to the market, whether that's really nice new lab space, office space, residential housing, parks, right. public realm improvements, all these things. I haven't met a developer yet that is just all about like, well, how can I make the most bucks fastest? Yeah. It's more about yeah, I have right. a vision to improve the I city agree. and develop great housing yeah. Yeah. and build a good product. But I think there needs to be a much bigger scale, broader uh, base of sort of education for the neighborhoods about how yeah. this process works and what and what that give and take can yeah. be and yeah. should be, as yeah. well as obviously, you know, well, trying to clarify. Yeah. Something I mean, I zoning, think, but, you know, you it not dissimilar from like the Taxachusetts reference, right? right. There's this perception right. that these right. developers are just like money hungry scumbags, right. Right. right? And like not like have the best, I've only their interests yeah. in mind. And like, we've got to find a way to change that right. perception because that is working with tons and tons yeah. of developers, all of us at this yeah. at this table, like that's not the case, right? right? And um, I guess along those lines, w what are kind of like a handful of commonalities you see on the guys who've been or girls who've been most successful yeah. sort of navigating through the community process, right? Like we, we know of a, you know, you could say a couple names in some of the core yeah. neighborhoods we work yeah. in. We're like, yeah. they always do great when they're getting their projects approved. What, what are, what are sort of the, you know, again, sort of the consistent attributes that they're taking in their approach to have more success running through the process yeah. than most? So, I mean, you know, there's the more exciting thing like visionaries and all that. But I think, you know, basic stuff like they're genuine and honest, yeah. right? And and care. Right. So like you like uh um Norm Leventhal, right? Mm. Giant. I was walking through this morning through Post Office Park, um, PO Square Park, and now they have they now have like cocktails there at night. Mm. They've yep. got a little coffee place and but that was his like Back then was before I was doing this, but it was like, oh, we can create something, right? Obviously, he did well, um, but you're you're creating a place that people want to be, and that type of like, you know, commitment, I think, uh, is what you see in all of these developers. And I love working with developers because they're not like you're right. I didn't. I don't have a lot of clients to say, oh, how much are we gonna make or whatever. It's like, how can we do this? They love building. They love community they love seeing like they you know the good ones vision what uh is going to happen at the site not just the building but oh, i can see you know people out there you know learning from an older guy from vets and then new people coming in and and you know helping to kind of improve mm -hmm. the state of of uh, the neighborhood and the surroundings yeah and i think you know that's a great trait the other is uh you know having um thick skin and the ability to pivot, 
right? So yeah. you, you know, like uh, I would, and I like I love the uh, Mike Tyson used to say, "Everyone has a plan to get punched in the face." Demela special, I say right that there. Too often, uh, probably. Yeah. yeah. So I say line. that to my clients. Have you guys been hanging out behind yeah. my back? Or what? Yeah, but, but but that's development. Yeah. So yeah. here's right. what's going to happen. It's like we're going to go through the process. You want to, uh, you know, here's what you think you want to develop, right? At the end of the day. And things are going to happen mm -hmm. in the entitlement process, and it's probably not going to be exactly that. Yep. So you need to be flexible, a little bit of thick skin, and you're going to get punched in the face. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's Boston. It's development. It's a blood yeah. sport, right? Yeah. So, uh, but, the, but I think those are the yeah. traits, and the you know, like the names that we all know, and going back to like some of the greats, like Norm Leventhal. Um, that's what they all had. You know, they were genuine, they cared, but they were tough. You know, they were able to endure. Mm. So when someone's coming in on a new project, uh, like what, how do you, you know, how do you, what, I guess, what's your usual first point of interaction with a client? What, where are they at in their process in terms of um, having a, a, a vision or not, or just early on, or are they asking you to sort of do a zoning analysis or wh where, where do you usually get involved? Yeah. So it's uh, just what PT said. And we always, I always encourage, you know, anyone that's long, I have a lot of my clients I've had for a long time, um, but I always say just, Give me a call when you when you find a site, and it's I'm not looking to run the run the clock. I'm looking to protect your interests, mm -hmm. you know. And a lot of times it'll be don't do this, <laughs> right? <laughs> like you know, so the best deal you do is the one you don't, yeah. yeah, right. And you know, it's not for me. It's not worth anyone's time to mislead and say, gee, this could happen, and then you go through this pro. No one yeah. wants a process without a result, yeah, right. And so. Um, yeah, it comes in at that point, and then there's the zoning analysis, but there's other pieces, right? And and so they call it a practice, right? Having done this, we worked on a, a PT and I worked on a project together in Brighton. You guys are are marketing, um, but early on in the process, and at that point, I you know I think we got a really good scale, size, and density for that project because we were willing to do home ownership, mm -hmm. and you know Brighton has still has very low home ownership, mm -hmm. like well, almost 75% rental, right? And But at that time, it was very novel. And then we also spent the time to show the neighbors and discuss them that like, this can actually work. Here's what people brought you guys in. But we literally like, I we tried to do, I think successfully was to put put the neighbors into the, the development in the future and say, imagine yeah. where would you want to live? How would you want to have yeah. you know, all the amenities and things like that? And, uh, and it worked, hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I think the other, the other thing I always, um, talk to clients about is, is, is really trying to understand the market you're building into too. Like understanding yeah. like who are the buyers or rent or residents going to be for this building. And then think about how that's going to fit into the landscape of the neighborhood overall. So they, so they, so it's not just about, again, building the building, but it's about, it's about what is the lifestyle you're creating for these right. people who are going to be living there right. as well as the neighbors. And I think that's an important key part to think about very, very early on. And a lot of the good ones obviously just naturally do that. But, yeah. but some of the, yeah. some of the newer developers that we talk to are, or, you know, as they're getting started doing some bigger projects, especially it's like, that's a really key component of what yeah. they need to think about yeah. going into a project, I think. And being realistic. I mm, mean, like right. we, you know, we, there's it, a lot of times it goes without saying, but there sometimes it doesn't. In Boston, you could say, well, this really would make sense for this site to be cleaned up or for this site to be residential. Mm. But there may be other political forces, regulatory community forces, or, you know, like I got a um, working on a, a site in the city that's extremely contaminated. So, mm. like a lot of the sites in Boston get some petroleum, things like that. Yeah, but this, is, this is like, yeah. you know, like red hot, you know, federal, <laughs> federal designation. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the things I learned, I'm not an environmental lawyer, but it was like just the excessive cost before they even put a shovel in the ground. Mm. And, you know, to a certain extent, you, you have to make that a part of the discussion, at least with the regulators, you know, the yeah. communities, I'm going to say, okay, you're a developer, but the reality is if it costs you like 50 million to clean up a site before you even put a shovel in the ground, it kind of drives what you can do there. Yeah, right? 100%. Right. Um, unless you're the government, you yeah. know, and so most of my clients and like you guys are private uh, developers and, you know, taking a lot of risk on and, and yeah, you get 
uh, equity and financing. But as you know, that those commitments don't come until you put the skin right. in the game and you get it permitted. Right. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. That's the thing I think a lot of people don't realize. Uh, well, I should say a lot of the public doesn't realize. Like you're not able to raise any real money until you get right. through the entitlement process, right? right? So this is all yeah. developer risk, and that's why it's a you know risky game. But you, you, yeah. you know, some people look at the potential profits at the end of the project, and they're like, "Well, you're making tons of money." And sometimes, yeah, but yeah. but there's a lot of risk that I, to that. That's a perfect example yeah. you're talking about. Is like cleaning and up timing the yeah, too, and time, right? Yeah. Like this, you I didn't see it, but this the the rates going from. What was it a low of like under three doesn't up at six it's mm. like in such a short period of time i mean you think about it and you're like well you know some of these projects right if maybe if they took like three or four months less would you time it you know i mean you don't want to probably like have that in your business plan but sometimes just crazy stuff happens mm. like a global pandemic right, right. right. yeah right yeah Didn't no i mean see. it's uh mike's point there's a lot of risk there's yeah. a lot of risk, and I think you know. Again, it's it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about sort of you know being able to to communicate and and educate people to understand the the full context of what's entailed in a in a development, right? So right. that there yeah. is that give and take that you mentioned that enables someone to sort of navigate through the entitlement process in a way that's mutually beneficial for the community and for a feasible project. So no doubt. Um, what are a couple of like the most memorable projects that you've been been involved with? Um, so you know, uh, I love love doing work in um, uh, certain neighborhoods. You know, in, uh, the whole city, but it's had a lot of really good experiences in South Boston. Yeah, um, I think we we're talking about the Washington Village project mm -hmm. that um, Core Investments and Samuels is now delivering the first phase and. The great thing about that is, you know, we, we, there was, you know, um, once we got to a point, there was no daylight between us, the community, the elected officials and the city, you mm. know, so we're all rowing in the same direction. And, and, um, and that's one too, where like, you know, there's some height, there's eight different buildings, it's five acres, but it's taking a site that's not contributing. And, um, you know, I would say like stand on the shoulders of giants and it was basically, we, the community had already said what they want. We want a vibrant mixed use community. We want this type of housing. And we had the right uh, developer that, you know, uh, appreciated it. Uh, There's another project that, you know, uh, some some newer, more like um, a little more um, innovative stuff. We have some projects that are not parked. One that I think you guys are working on that's, you know, right near a train station. It's a little bit different shape. so. We were able to do an exclusive vehicle share program that was like first of its kind. And so your rent gets you a share in a courtesy vehicle and it's an EV. And, you know, um, so that was, you know, that was cool. I'm actually curious. Well, let's dive into that a little bit more, actually. Yeah. I'm curious, how, did that, how did that go? You're talking about sort of Zero Athens in, yeah, in, in, yeah. in South Boston. Yeah. And it's a very uniquely shaped parcel and a right. very, very, now I think very cool use of how they designed it with the architecture yeah. wise. Those guys yeah, did a yeah. fantastic job. Yeah. But. How, how did that entitlement process play out? Because there's no parking on site, right? You're talking yeah. about the share vehicle yeah. process. Now, it's that was discussion. Before, yeah, because yeah. that's before the, uh, the right. city removed the minimum parking requirements. Yeah. And in South Boston, And in South too. Boston so, as well, yeah. You know, we, we are, but but I think, you know, the, the um, local leaders realized also where it was, like, you know, and the shape of, of it. You mm. know, the, the folks in South Boston are very... You know, the people in the community groups and the elected officials know just as much about development as we do because mm. they've been, you know, there's just been a lot of it, right? And I think there is some fatigue, but in this situation, it, you know, the truth will set you free, right? Because right, yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, it's a triangle-shaped site that's like a putting, you know, a, a, a pitching wedge from the train station, yeah. right? It's like, okay, and, and literally cannot park it um, and, you know, with to any significant degree, so... Um, that was one, you know, where we get, we got good support and and you know it was exciting to uh, exciting to work on. I've also done some stuff and um, you know we were talking about you know all the regulation and stuff and I did a lot of stuff in Somerville on, mm -hmm. when uh, Mayor Joe Curtatoni was there and and that was just really exciting because because you know Slump, Somerville had that as the mayor would say you know 
despise the Slummerville, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You won't even, if you ask someone that's younger now, what's that mean? Right. It's great. <laughs> yeah. But they There's were like. sleepovers there? Or was it? <laughs> yeah, right, right. And so they were like willing to like, you know, invite developers in and, yeah. and you know, make a long story kind of to go full circle here. But, you know, in, in Boston, when we look at all these um, new fees and all this stuff, especially in this time, it would be nice if there was a little more carrot mm. with the stick. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so that's what Joe Curtitoni did. It's like, okay, yeah, we're going to increase it to 20% affordable. But by the way, we're going to give you FAR of 10 mm. and a height of 300 yeah. in right. assembly, yeah. right. which is a project that I did. So it's right. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's right. exactly so, you, know, you can make that work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. It's not always going to work that way, but right. I mean, to you know, give and take mm. a little more. Give if, yeah. if you got if you want yeah. production. So the, you know. exactly right. And so the, the question though, and, and I think Boston has come around with some of those, like we just talked about removing the minimum parking requirement at least, because that has historically been uh, a tactic to block projects, right? right? And there's other right. other met, uh, ideas too. But especially since we have a great transit system, why not encourage use of right. that tra- right. transit system instead of parking cars everywhere? Yeah. I'm not going to get on my soapbox about parking that uh, right. people have heard me He'll talk about. He'll get on his cars. soapbox, trust yeah. me. At we least be, once an episode, there's be. a little soapboxing. You can't have hair like that without a soapbox. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we should be building for people, not for cars. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, they think that's that, that's pretty good. I think that Director Jemison has said that. You know, we don't we have a housing crisis, not a not a car not crisis. Not a car crisis. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's a big change, right? It's from. Um, yeah. Pre, you know, the, the path from a few years ago. I mean, they're almost right. encouraging you to go with less parking. Yeah. I mean, they are encouraging you to go with less parking on certain projects, like even a homeownership one that yeah. we're working on now. It's just in the consulting phase, but like they yeah. are, they're really yeah. grinding the developer to, to decrease the parking. You yeah. know, which is interesting because you know, four or five years ago, it was the total opposite, right? It's like, well, you gotta have you it. Know, least, like, you know, it's like you're sounds or, like you're you're maybe a little more progressive on it than I am. I'm not old school either, but I do think. You know, like the parking thing, it's like things change, right? Mm. So it's like, yeah, 20 years from now, are we going to be even driving gasoline vehicles? Probably not. But like, you know, it's such a visceral thing for people in the community. They just think of like, it's built today, yep. right? Yep. Right? You know, and so it's interesting. I did a, I did a study on, we, when I talk about the one in Southie there on Athens Street, um, you know, there was the development in front at, uh, 14 West Broadway that had a lot of parking. And so they were saying, you know, I we had to do two spaces per, and it's like, and I looked at it, I go, well, Uber didn't even exist. Right, yeah. It was permanent. Right, so yeah. things yep, things yeah. do. And yep. you, you see this with your clients where they're like, gee, I wish we built a bigger Amazon room. Right. For, mm. for, yeah. yeah. EV stations now, right. it's like even <laughs> stuff that was, you know, design, right. conceptually designed three years ago, it's like, oh, yeah. man, well, we, you know, wish we had a lot more yeah. EV capability and what parking yeah. we do have than... Yeah. Then we, you know, so I think it. the zero Athens is actually will be it's being delivered like pretty soon. I think it's timely, right? Yeah. Like, but when we were having the discussion, as you said, it was like it was a challenge. Like, yeah. No, I mean, look, it, 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 it actually just opened and it's been extremely well rece- yeah. uh, received by the by the by the residents. Lot, you know, we're, but oh. it's logic, isn't it? Like, and I and I think the community and the the um, officials got that. It's like, all right, someone said to me in the meeting. Uh, how many cars do you have? And I said, actually, I have two and I have <laughs> two kids and, you know, I wish I had one car. I would love to, you know, yeah. but for now that's where I am. Um, but I also don't live in a 400 square foot studio that's, you know, 10 feet from the train station. Right. So right. like the truth is the folks that are going to live there, we do need family housing, but we need, we need a mix. The folks yeah, that are going to live there are going to yeah. be mostly yep. single, younger, maybe you maybe even have some empty nesters that don't want a car. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right, though. I mean, I think that's the key thing is understanding where projects exist, who, like like I went to at the beginning, who's the likely resident in this, and, 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 you know, 10 feet from the train station close to downtown, you know, we're not talking about a project in Roslindale or something where it might be, it should be probably more family oriented, and maybe you need more parking or things like that. That's where we've got to be able to have that. But on the progressive side, right, that, that we see, and you may see it like, so like, yeah, we're trying to permit a condominium building that has three bedroom units in Rosendale and they're, well, we think you should not park it. It's like, and the train's nowhere near. It's right. like, okay, we're not saying you have two spaces, but we think one-to-one right. for right. home is appropriate. Mm-hmm. And we want, it, we want it to be successful, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I do think, you know, neighbors, when they say, you know, no parking, I mean, to a certain extent, you know, they, they do have a good a good point, but in time, right? 
No, I, I I agree. I agree. I mean, we, you, you know. can't go from you can't go from like 2023 to 2043 right. in an instant. I mean, right. there's got to be a there's got to be yeah. a progression it takes to 20 that. Years. It takes 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Right. Uh, right. I'm not good. Carry the two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm talker, not going to let you, you – you'll bill us for trying to do the math on that. <laughs> Good at that. Math, you know? yeah, yeah. Shocker. Still use a calculator. <laughs> so. Just throw a dollar sign there. He's but like, it's oh, exciting. Okay. I mean, yeah. you know, you guys have seen it. It's exciting. I mean, I, I you know, uh, E.T. and I lived in this neighborhood yeah. when we were uh, young bucks, so to speak. And, well, and, well, uh, young young bucks. Yeah, Is that what we're going with now? Okay. Yeah. All right, all right. We'll give it to you. That's kind of a nice way to say it or maybe not. That's now just of, now oh, just a lot of gray like hair. Ninety year old guy, <laughs> like young bucks. Now it's We're just like, yeah, a lot of gray hair on this podcast. But I, you know, but I didn't have a car then, and no, I right. you know because I, I couldn't afford it. But I bought a a condo, right? I was like, this is great. Of course, I didn't mm. have a parking space, you know. And yeah. my office is downtown, and um, but it's it's gotten so much better. I mean, there wasn't wasn't as many options uh, for younger working folks that did fairly well. But you know, like in other neighborhoods to get housing like Brighton didn't have as much new stuff. A lot of it was students, okay. which is fine, but like I didn't want to live next to a bunch of kids, mm-hmm. you know, students or whatever. And then, you know, South Boston hadn't really, now there's just so many good options. Like the yeah. stuff that's oh, going yeah. on at Boston landing. Oh. I'd love to live there. If oh, I was yeah. a young, you know, you got the Bruins uh, training facility, all the great restaurants, oh, you got yeah. a train station. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, I mean, and, and I, I hundred percent. I think that's such a key part. And actually it's a big part of your business too. So maybe it's a good segue to talk about like sort of the mixed use uh, retail part of the businesses that have a lot of these restaurants and bars yeah, either yeah. opening up or trying to open up. And right, maybe you can right. talk about some of the yeah. challenges on that. On that's that great too though, isn't it? I mean, like, oh, yeah. uh, I, I remember, uh, so I graduated college in 92 and, you know, early nineties, there wasn't much going on in Boston. And the, the food scene was like, Right, non-existent. It was, you know, a couple like yeah. higher-end places, and the rest was kind of like. And then I, I do think we were sort of getting saturated right before the pandemic, because we had. But but the one thing that the BPA did, and I don't necessarily fault them for it, but a lot of these projects they they want a ground floor right. activation, right? And so a lot of them were permitted or, and are being built today, right? And they're all coming online, and they. You know, now now the restaurant business is back, especially mm-hmm. in the neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, downtown's still struggling quite a bit, um, but you know we're not we're not set up for it as a city. There's no liquor li- no liquor licenses. Even if you have a ton of money, you yeah. can't find one. What right, what do you, so. and just, just just there's just and I'm not super familiar with that that side of things. So yeah. what's the what's the cause? Just not enough liquor licenses. Uh, yeah. So Boston or? has its own quota. Um, separate you know from the state and it's like based on population and all that and mayor menino and and mayor walsh had increased it and um it's just you know we just had a lot of new places open up and then admittedly you know there are guys that hold licenses that spend a lot of money for it right but um now it's 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 in no one's interest if you have a bunch of um vacant storefronts especially when the the market gets tight Mm. right and it's like oh actually we that wasn't just a giveaway. We were actually counting on the rent, right. and these spaces. Well, have, and you're yeah. the people who are you know buying in or yeah. leasing in these like new right. work play neighborhoods. Like they wanted that killer Absolutely. restaurant downstairs yeah. in the building, and yeah. they want to be able to walk within right. their neighborhood to have a handful of options to go get yeah. a great meal. And, look at what and, Steve Samuels yeah. did in the Fenway. Oh my god, that is like that Upper Boylston Street is like. I mean, because again, we lived. On the other side yeah, of it, right? But right. I mean, just wind, and we're not talking very long. Ago. Within twenty right. years, yeah. the one eighty that that right. stretch from you yeah. know the fence. And he up. brought in like local too. Right. It's not yeah. like no. some of these. You yeah, know, great thing not. about Boston yeah. is is the fact that we fight hard for our neighborhoods and mm. people yeah. want because it's like you know you go to like Houston or other cities like right. everything's a change. Right. It's a strip mall chain, right? culture yeah that that, mean, that is the beautiful thing i think about boston that i especially love is just really trying to encourage the local businesses locally yeah, owned especially yeah. on the restaurant side and other things you know you see these you know national chains or right. you know just like it's just this is not as cool you know and they're kick ass and then yeah. the developers recognize yeah. and have partnerships with these restaurants and and like you said i mean i would you, you would want to live at 
a certain place or or a building because there's something like that, mm, right. you know. And so I think um, it's just you know the government has to catch up. The best thing it can do is is you know try to just remove hurdles, mm. right? Um, and you know be partners as part of the process and let growth happen, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. What on on the on the liquor kind of license side or for you know developer that's got a you know either a desire or, or perhaps an obligation to build um, or activate the ground level, whether it's restaurant or whatever. What do you think the best way is to try to, you know, encourage a solid restaurant, restaurant tour, solve the liquor license pro- you know, problem as best as possible going in? Yeah, I mean, they, they should look at, um, you know, making them sort of development specific. So mm-hmm. they're like a blanket license, right? And that way they can't be transferred. Let's say they don't have value, right? But you can... Um, you know, someone goes in, doesn't work out, the license stays there, they yeah. can get someone else coming yeah. in. Um, you know, those kind of like just thinking a little bit differently, mm. right? And um, and some of that's already has, you know, has been done. I mean, just think the pandemic, we were all like, right. yeah, yeah. it's like, was anyone going to a restaurant? Right. And what was right. a restaurant? Right. And then all of a sudden we're like, how do I eat with this mask on? It's really hard. Right. Yeah. And, that, and now we're like, but now we seem to yeah. be back. Right. right. And, yeah. and I think that's great. But it's like, you know, um, again, most of these places, you know, that there aren't, you know, there aren't many places that are like poorly run. Right. Mm-hmm. People want to open. We got these great chefs. They want to open places that are like contributing. Right. Yeah. They're employing good people. They pay good wages. Right. And, um, so you know that that would be a good way to way to look at it. Just kind of create some of these that are. I like that idea. Yeah. And you know, and it's important to like. You can't just say we're going to put licenses in a certain area and therefore people will come. It, it has to relate to development, right? right. And we yep. do need more more um, good quality restaurants and say like Mattapan. But the best way to do that isn't to say, well, there's a free license. Um, you just figure out where you want to put it is, is to come in and say, we have a transformative mixed use development project and the city is going to have these licenses set for that, mm, right? Which yeah. is a great way to do it. Yeah. It's all about growth, right? right? Mm. Um, you know, it's hard to have a restaurant that's in the middle of nowhere with no one else around. Right. Yeah. Unless it's like, yeah. Well, and then, and then some other reason to be there. Yeah, and the other side of that too is, I think um, I can imagine there's probably restaurateurs who have paid a substantial sum for a liquor right. license that don't want to see the value go to zero. Yeah, you know Fair things enough. like that too. Yeah. But you know, so I, I can. It's a difficult problem to, to solve, I suppose. But yeah. I think I think the idea that was is great to have really sort of development or parcel specific yeah. licenses. No. And like you know, beer and wine licenses. You know, those used to be when I first started doing this, they were not at mm. get one because you know, like pizza parlors back then or like there wasn't places you went into where they where they had wine or anything right it was just a restaurant with a full liquor license or but now you got all these great little small places that and why wouldn't you want if someone opens a 50 seat bistro you know great homemade pasta like why should they even have to buy a beer and wine yeah right 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 right, right. yeah exactly and and it probably makes a difference of whether they survive or not right they're not going to get rich off it but it's like you and i and I have I personally, like, if I'm going to go into a place, you know, nice small place like that, I, I want to have a glass of wine with dinner. Otherwise, mm. I'd be like, yeah, I'm probably okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just do takeout <laughs> and have my wine at home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really dating yourself now, you know. Right. <laughs> College in 92, parlor, pizza parlor. Pizza parlor. <laughs> pizza parlor. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. I've been yeah, around too long. Bowling, huh? Yeah, yeah. Bar disco, pizza. Like yeah. Discotheque. That's actually a European word, but yeah. it's in the zoning code. That's the other thing. We're looking at the zoning code too much of these uses, and it's like discotheque. Like, yeah. where, is there a discotheque in Boston? Yeah. Did I miss this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Where is it? Yeah. Let's go. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, what, any other advice? So, you know, as we're kind of winding towards the end of the episode, any other advice you'd give to developers coming into the process, yeah, whether I mean, a small or large project? Find a find a good broker. You know, they're there hard. You, hard to, <laughs> you know, almost as hard as finding a good lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. You know, I I think uh, you know thinking big picture, and I mean, again, uh, there's there's still a lot of great things you know about Boston. It's easy to be like, oh, the you know the sky's falling and stuff. You know, and 
you know, try try to uh, to see the potential to collaborate, right? Mm. I think the mayor is like a lot of stuff she said. You know, we agree with. Everyone wants to see the process streamlined, mm. right? Um, and you know, there's just tremendous opportunity. We got to do something with, uh, you know, with our construction costs, how we deal with that, you know, um, or at least factor that into, you know, the process going forward. Um, and, you know, don't be afraid to uh, take a risk, but just build the right team. And the good thing is, you know, um, we're not, it's, it, we're not curing cancer here, right? Like, we have taken projects through and, you know, through the approval process, we can look back and yeah. see what works, right? And um, so, you know, the more you do it, the better you get. Cool. Let's, uh, one last question to, to end on a positive note. What is, what is your, uh, what are you most excited about, about sort of the next 10 years of, of Boston or the region? Uh, you, know, you know, the further growth of the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Right. And 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 to see what the live work combo can be. Yeah. Right. So we built a lot of housing, especially in like South Boston and stuff. But we get back to these, you know, where you live and you work like you do work yep. here, you yep. you know. And so that's something that wasn't as prevalent, you know, in Boston. Originally it was, but you're starting to see those neighborhoods take off. Totally. Right. So I'm excited about, you know, whether it be lab or some of these mixed uses, which. Uh, candidly, you know, I, a lot of my work has been on, you know, residential of scale developments with some mixed use on the ground floor. Uh, but now we're seeing more, you know, more of the jobs, which is just great. Yeah. These jobs that the kids are going to be able to get, you know, and, and the labs that they're developing in neighborhoods that were never there before. And you'd look at Boston Landing. I mean, right. Just, it's awesome. just incredible. Yeah. And, and so, you know, what I, uh, you know, I like, community building and, and partnering with neighborhoods. And I think is you can do a lot with the schools. Yeah. And when some people say, well, kids aren't going to get jobs in the labs, why not? Yeah. Why not? You know, they did the, uh, Gillette was like a huge job, job driver in South Boston. Mm -hmm. There were folks that came from modest means and went all the way up the ladder. Right. And I think that's something we can do in Boston. That's pretty exciting. To totally, and it, it speaks almost directly to the you know that fifteen minute neighborhood co uh, concept. Where you, you know you have everything you need to do to, in, within a fifteen minute walk, right. essentially. Like so, you, right. you know, just speaking back to the car thing. But you can get your you job don't need there. A car. Yeah, you don't need a yeah. car. But you have your market. You yeah. have your job. You have your go to you, where you're going to dinner or eat. Right. You've got your schools, and and all these things are really forming this neighborhood community that's so much more powerful. Yeah. You know, and it's it does sort of harken back to the past in Boston, pretty much you know everywhere a long time ago but but really i think there's so much opportunity to do more of that not just in the city of boston but in some of these other sort of towns and areas yeah. around it as well to get you know yeah it's a, mo a lot more connection mm -hmm. now right that like you guys do work out in the suburbs too yep. or, or yep. it's greater boston i would say they're not all suburbs but you know um it just you to look at what's going on in somerville and assembly road yeah. it's have you been over there like the restaurants yeah. and the and again it's that they got partners there they have puma North America. So like they're, they're not just jobs that people are like driving in from the suburbs, going to work and leaving. They're like right. living there, they're yeah. investing. Right. And that's, that's what makes, you know, you've seen it. The South End's great. Oh, yeah. All the great yeah. restaurants. And when I lived in this neighborhood, I you know, probably spent most of our time in the South End at restaurants, mm. you know, smart guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A lot of discotheques. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to open one of those. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> That's my advice. Call me. Let's open a discotheque next to a pizza parlor. Bunch of young bucks in there, you know. We will We will name it. I am in. The old buck discotheque. There you go. Yeah. There you go. yeah. No, we'll, we'll have fun. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Good. You guys, you guys right. have fun without me. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> all right, well, Joe, it was a great conversation, yeah. man. I appreciate your time today. Thanks, and, uh, and And looking forward to more conversations. Yeah. and we'll work together in the future. Yeah, a lot so. of fun. Thanks awesome. for being here, John. It's awesome. Awesome. We'll see you in the next episode of Empowered Returns. Thank you for listening to another episode of Empowered Returns. If you're a forward-thinking real estate investor or developer looking for actionable advice that will help you generate market-beating returns, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. I'm Mike DeMello with Charles Gate, and I'd love to connect on LinkedIn and further the conversation for any specific questions you may have. Thank you for listening.